I love beef rights. I just, there's nothing better than when I say something is going to happen, and then it just happens, just like I said it would. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. What did I say last week about Oscar De La Hoya in regards to him telling BoxingScene.com that he actually beat Floyd Mayweather Jr.? Cut to last week's podcast. Go. A credible sports journalist could say, well, hold on, Oscar. Didn't you say, you know, back in this article that, you know, you admit that Mayweather won the that Mayweather won? But Oscar could easily spin that and say, oh, no, 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 you know, Mayweather got the decision, but I was the real winner. That's what I said in the last podcast. Now, I get home from work Sunday morning, I turn on last night's All Access, and what do I hear Oscar De La Hoya doing? He's pretty much saying what I said he would say. When I fought Floyd Mayweather, I laid out the blueprint. Yes, they gave him the decision, they gave him the fight, he beat me. But the blueprint is right there. Just look at it. I took it out of the vault and I handed it over to Canelo Alvarez. If there is one thing I'm very thankful for this week, it is Oscar De La Hoya's consistency at being inconsistent 90% of the time. And fear not, because we will cover the rest of All Access. I just wanted to point that out to you. And fear not, because I will point out the problem in that statement that you just heard from Oscar De La Hoya. But first, let's uh, talk about the other news in the boxing world today. I don't always like to start with uh, sad news, but because it's getting quite a lot of attention in the media today, uh, former WBO heavyweight titleist Tommy Morrison passed away at the age of 44. Uh, Morrison, as most of you know, gained a lot of fame for playing Tommy Gunn in Rocky V. But uh, he also had a reputation as a hard puncher, as 42 of his 48 victories were by knockout. Um, After a loss to Lennox Lewis in 1995, Morrison had been diagnosed with HIV, and uh, he vowed never to fight again. But over a decade later, in 2007, he made a comeback against an overmatched opponent, and he had his last fight the following year in 2008. Uh, Morrison made his comeback after saying that he had received false positives and that the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who had conducted the tests, that they had screwed up. But um, that was never proven. Um, However, according to Morrison's uh, mother, in an ESPN article from last week, he had developed full-blown AIDS and was being kept alive by a feeding tube and a ventilator. And she also revealed that he had been bedridden for the past year as well. It, it's very sad news, and what was equally shocking to me was that he was just only 44 years old. It's a real tragedy, unfortunately. And a few minutes before I started doing this podcast, I just I decided, okay, I'll sit down, see if I can watch some, some of his fights. I caught a glimpse... It's a very short fight, and you can find it on YouTube, but it's his uh, last fight in 2008, and you think, okay, there's, it's probably going to be a dead crowd. It's not the loudest crowd, but you can tell that there are quite a lot of people in the audience, and even though he was 
older than his opponent, much older. I think they said his opponent was 24. That's what his corner was shouting. You can hear them shout, you're 24 years old, Matt, suck it up. Because unfortunately, you know, he did okay in the first round, but Tommy was coming back and kept punching him, bloodied his nose. He did an okay showing for himself against uh, an opponent of that caliber at the time. Uh, Tommy Morrison's final record reads as 48 wins, 3 losses, 1 draw, with 42 wins coming by way of knockout. Abner Mares is uh, exercising his rematch clause after his uh, one-round knockout loss to Johnny Gonzalez. Initially, Mares was going to take the rest of the year off, as I reported in the last podcast. However, he has informed his management that he wants the first crack at Gonzalez and that he wants his title back. Uh, Gonzalez said that if his promoters want it, he'll do the fight, but he doesn't think it's a good fight for Mares, or rather he doesn't think it's a good idea for Mares after such a devastating one-round knockout loss like he suffered. The rematch should take place before the end of the year. Okay, uh, and now I know you guys have been waiting for this, but uh, let's get to what you're all here for, the all-access report. Now again, um, I, I thought this was a good episode, and I, uh, upon the second viewing of this episode, I noticed what they are doing intelligently is not uh, focusing too much time on one fighter at a time. It's okay, this is happening in this camp, move to the next one. And just when you think, okay, they're going to focus on some nobody in the entourage who does nothing, that doesn't happen. In fact, the only person who does get a lot of why is why are we watching this the only time that happens is when a monkey shows up and I'm not making this up a, a freaking monkey in a diaper shows up at Big Bear California and decides to climb around Canelo Alvarez's camp I, I don't know maybe they were short on material for Canelo this week at Showtime I don't know but either way Let's uh, let's stop talking about the monkey and let's just talk about the rest of the show, shall we? Previously on All Access. You already know what happened on last week's All Access if you listen to my podcast, so why am I even playing this part? In 1996, I received 25000 for my first pro fight, my first four-round fight. I mean, I feel like in 96, I was crawling. And, you know, now I'm running. It seems that, you know, since the start of his career, Floyd Mayweather has been making some pretty decent paydays, all things considered. But the more I hear him talk about his money and how how he spends it, how he kind of gives it away, he always... To me, it seems that he always feels the need to justify it. A lot of times you hear people say Floyd Mayweather is always flashing his money. He's always flashing his cars. He's always flashing his jury. I didn't rob anyone for it. All I did was go out there like an American citizen and dedicate myself to the sport of boxing. Hey, Mom, what's up, baby? Now, he can do whatever the hell he wants with his money. That's his prerogative. He went out and earned it, like he said. 
So, I mean, if he wants to spend it however he wants, who am I to say, oh, no, no, you should do this with it, you should do that with it. I think the main problem that most people do have with him constantly flashing and showing off is that, you know, economic times are not the greatest. There are a lot of people out of work. There are there are hardworking people who are working, and they don't have a lot to show for it, like me. I mean... I have a semi-somewhat decent one-bedroom apartment, but that's about it. And I kind of bust my ass for a living, so uh, enough about me. Let's get back to the episode. Um, we see that Canelo Alvarez uh, has achieved some sort of international fame because he's actually doing what you don't see a lot of boxers doing, and that's uh, filming a commercial. And... Um, I gotta say, I've only seen a handful of boxers do commercials. I saw Manny Pacquiao do a uh, commercial for the Samsung tablet, which went nowhere. And I saw Floyd Mayweather... I can't remember what the product was, but he was uh, he was with Bill Curtis. And if you don't know who that is, well, you know, he's always narrating something. But, uh, no, it's uh, nice to see Canelo, you know achieving some fame and being able to exploit that to make some more money for himself but what I also like about this segment it's short and it's simple we don't get you know details about what the director thinks what well, we do but it, they, it's not over the top it's not wasting my time it's not making me bored that's the most important thing uh, cut back to Vegas where we see Floyd Mayweather uh, uh, showing off his money team apparel at a, uh, I think it's called the Magic Convention or something like that. I'll play the audio. A lot of people don't know what the Magic Convention is. Love North, you guys. <laughs> it's all retailers, as far as clothing retailers from all over the world. That might be something interesting to go to if you're into fashion. Personally, the only reason I would go is for a chance to, you know, maybe get an autograph for Floyd or like what I think a lot of people were there for, to see him do the pad work. They had a ring set up there in the convention hall. Him and his uncle Roger were doing the famous pad work, and he was looking good, as always. And he also revealed something very interesting, I thought. My ultimate goal is to have one of the biggest boxing companies ever. I'll get to what I mean about that uh, later in the show as we... Uh, get towards what's, how that's related to something else in the episode. Amidst the blur of showmanship that accompanies any Mayweather fight, it's impossible to forget the unique physical challenge he poses in the ring. Today in Los Angeles, Canelo hopes to find sparring partners capable of imitating his one-of-a-kind style. Uh, Canelo's trainer freely admits that they are not going to find someone who thinks like Mayweather, but, um... Rather, they want somebody who moves like Mayweather. And, see, that's kind of a problem. It's one thing to move like Mayweather, but to actually think like he does in a fight, because I don't think there are, you know, five fighters out there in the world today who think like he does in a fight. He can adapt. He, I don't need to replay those clips from Star Trek about the Borg and... How they're related to Mayweather, do I know? But I'll say them anyway. He analyzes and adapts. 
that's what he does best, unfortunately. A among other things, he would probably say, but uh, no, it's it's what he's capable of doing, and I can't think of a lot of fighters who can do that. I mean, sure, you might have some fighters who are fast on their feet, but like I say later, it this all depends upon the quality of sparring partners you have. You can have somebody who has fast hands and fast feet, but if they don't know how to use those hands and feet properly when they're in trouble, it's not going to be like how you expect it to be when you fight Floyd, unfortunately. In fact, we're, uh, we're about to hear from one of the sparring partners. In fact, I think this is only the, the only uh, sparring partner from Canelo that we hear from. This is, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, Keandre Gibson who currently holds a record, an undefeated record, of 8-0. He was kind of stronger than I thought he was. Ready, time. He was asking me, did it hurt? He was hitting me on my arms. Yeah, it did. You know, it, it got my arms real tight where I couldn't, you know, lift them like I want to and throw them like I wanted to. After that, Canelo's team uh, gets ready to uh, move their training camp to Big Bear. And I will give Canelo Alvarez props for this. He's an Alfred Hitchcock fan. Now we move back to the Mayweather Boxing Club, and we get to hear from Leonard Ellerby, probably the biggest Floyd Mayweather cheerleader the world will ever see. And, uh, kind of a... This is going to cause controversy for people. Because, unfortunately, Ellerby thinks he's doing the smart thing, but he's just adding fuel to the fire for Mayweather haters, unfortunately. Preparing a strategy for fight night doesn't begin in the gym. Long before the weeks of rigorous training, the hard work starts at the bargaining table. For those few fighters with sufficient clout, every detail is open for discussion, including the fight's weight limit. The fight is at 152, but it's really not the weight. It's about the skills. And I feel that, you know, I'm a skillful fighter. Enter Leonard Ellerby. His management put out something on a boxing scene that they would be willing to fight at a catch weight. Now, because his management is inept, we take advantage of those kind of things. Why would we go in a different direction? They suggested it. Why would we say no, do something different? They put him at a disadvantage. His management did. You're not bad for an old man. Wasn't that Floyd Mayweather asked for a catchweight because absolutely that did not happen. So I want to be clear on the record for that. Now, one thing I'm a bit let down about that whole segment is that we don't get Floyd's take on the catchweight. Yeah, he said it's not about the weight, it's about the skill, but I'd like to hear his take on having Canelo having to sweat out two extra pounds to, you know, be able to fight. Also, let's remember that the last time Floyd Mayweather agreed to a catchweight, uh, that was against Juan Manuel Marquez for a fight at 144 pounds, and Floyd came in two pounds heavier than he agreed, smiling and flexing on the scales as he did so. Yeah, he had to pay a couple hundred thousand dollars extra to Marquez, but still. Also, the big problem with this is that should Floyd Mayweather dominate this fight, and beat Canelo easily. Canelo's fans and people who openly hate Floyd Mayweather can easily dismiss the victory by saying that he drained Canelo, that he didn't face Canelo at full strength at 154 pounds because 
Floyd was scared that Canelo would take him apart. And don't say, oh no, the fans wouldn't say that, Andrew. No, you know I'm right on this. You don't have to wait for another podcast in the future for me to say that. You already know that I'm right. Also, any any listener out there, feel free to correct me, provided you have a credible source, but I don't think Canelo's team would have thrown out the idea of a catch weight of 152 pounds unless Floyd was showing some hesitance about facing Canelo at 154 pounds. I mean, feel free to send me a link to something, but come on, why would they say... Why would Canelo's team say, oh, you know, we'll do a catch weight for him? No, he didn't ask for a catch weight when he fought Oscar De La Hoya. He didn't ask for a catch weight uh, two fights ago when he fought against Miguel Cotto. And those were all at 154 pounds. So it just doesn't make sense. Like I said, if you have a credible source like Boxing Scene or something like that, Ring TV, send me the link and I will correct myself. Regardless, I don't like the idea of a catchweight for this fight because, unfortunately, it uh, it allows people to criticize Floyd even more unjustly. But also, consider all the times that Floyd Mayweather has criticized Manny Pacquiao for having past opponents. Not all of them, but he's had a few. Manny Pacquiao's had a few catchweight bouts, but uh. You know, the bright side for this is for Pacquiao's team. Now they they can just uh, use the same line that Leonard Ellaby used, that the opponent has inept management and that Pacquiao's team took full advantage of that ineptitude. So, I don't know. Moving on, now we get some footage from the Robert Guerrero fight. And, uh, you know, there's some talk about the damage that Floyd's right hand suffered. And I'll be honest, you know... I, I heard that it was broken or fractured, but I um, I hope nothing bad happens to it in the lead-up to this fight. I mean, as he, his training is probably intensifying as we get closer and closer to the fight, I hope nothing happens uh, before or even during the fight, unfortunately, because I thought that he was going to go for the knockout against Guerrero. Uh, in round 9, I thought that he was going to step it up, but unfortunately... You know, he injured his right hand, had to win with the left. But uh, I hope that doesn't happen this time. Um, also, if you notice the scene with the hand therapist, and this is the big difference between uh, All Access and 24-7, they have not mentioned Miss Jackson at all. In fact, I didn't even notice her. But she's, you can see her uh, in the scene where Floyd's with his uh, hand therapist, She's just sitting there on the phone, texting, doing whatever, doing nothing, really. So, it's kind of like 24-7 in the way that they're showing Miss Jackson doing nothing, except we're paying much less attention than she deserves as she does nothing. Moving on. Having arrived in Big Bear a week ago... Team Alvarez turned to a recent opponent when looking for a place to set up camp. Sugar Shane Mosley was only too willing to help out. Appreciate the facilities. Hi, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And when Shane stops by for a quick hello, Chepo quickly tries to recruit a new sparring partner. 
Okay. You see, you, you, please. Uh, <laughs> like I will inspire with him, please. Are you? I'm not sure if I'll be able to. I mean, obviously, training camps have got to be grueling for fighters, and you know, you're you're stressed about the fight, and you're pushing your body to the limits. But well, here we get to see the. Well, I'm not gonna play the audio because I mean it's this part is mostly visual but Shane Mosley has a monkey it, it's not like a you know a chimpanzee it's like uh, one of those monkeys you saw in the hangover part two but um it, it's wearing a diaper so that that's not gonna stop the uh, the monkey from reaching into the diaper and throwing its species at you but um it's crawling around the camp. I would not want a freaking monkey of any kind crawling around me. I'm sorry. I remember that story about the lady who got her face mutilated by a friend's pet monkey. I wouldn't want that happening to me. I don't care what monkey it is. And also, you know, I used to think that Shane Mosley kept boxing because he needed the monkey. But any guy that owns a freaking monkey does not need money. But then again, they said the same thing about Michael Jackson, so you never know. You never know. But seriously, Shane, if you need the if you need the money, sell the monkey. For the love of God, just sell the monkey. That or, you know, like sell the monkey services somehow. Like like offer to have the monkey throw poop at people as an act of revenge for money. But the day is not yet finished for Chepo and Eddie, who need to replenish the depleted stock of sparring partners. Well, I'm not going to play the audio because it's in Spanish and you're not going to understand it unless you can understand Spanish. But just reading the transcript of it in English, it just seems... It just seems fake and rehearsed somehow. And... I don't know. It, something about it just doesn't seem right to me. I mean, I would love to... They're, they're talking about, you know, this fighter, he had a... This sparring partner, he got a dislocated shoulder. This one fractured his ribs. I would love to know who these sparring partners were. Is that so hard to ask? Really. And I would like to know who the sparring partners he's getting to replace are. And I've... There's also a story that... Floyd Mayweather Sr. has an inside man in the in the uh, Alvarez camp who, uh, according to Mayweather Sr., is his spy has told him that no, Alvarez is not knocking out sparring partners. And as you'll hear, Floyd Mayweather could care less about that. What about, you know, there's some rumors coming out of Canelo's camp that, you know, he's had to send home some sparring I can care less what the rumors is about Canelo camp. Um, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but... Nope. You know, it's all access coming to you live. Um, I can care less what Canelo did in his camp, you know. I'm not a fucking sparring partner. I'm, I'm Floyd Mayweather, and I can fight. First of all, I don't get the coming at you live thing. I mean, obviously you're live. You're right in front of them. The part that we're watching now is taped, so that's not live. The person's in front of me, yes, I do know that they're live. Anyway, sorry, that just kind of gave me like a what the hell was that also 
I would like to uh, apologize for the censorship you're obviously hearing. That's uh, not mine. That's from Showtime. So try to figure that out. Back in Big Bear, Canelo Alvarez gets a chance to watch his brother fight. This is his older brother, who's uh, around the same age as me. And uh, yeah, I'll just play that for you. And he also watches the Abner Mares fight. And he's actually... When he watches a fight, he's a lot more calm than I am because I, uh, I have reactions like, like I have something really invested in the fight. Canelo's brother Ramon had trained with him in Mexico, and their work together seems to pay off. In the sixth round, Ramon's furious combinations proved too much for his overwhelmed opponent. With one Alvarez family victory secured, their attention turns to the main event of the evening. A championship matchup between Abner Mares and underdog Johnny Gonzalez. Final minute of the opening round. Gonzalez drops Mares with the lethal left hook. Oh, no, mame. No, 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 no. Cinco. Six. Gonzalez's shocking knockdown in the first round reminds Canelo of one of boxing's oldest crews. When two men enter the ring, anything can happen. So after that, uh, we see the media, the boxing media begins a, what the show describes as a two-week assault on his camp. And uh, I got to see some of those videos online. Uh, good question and answer period. Canelo's insisting that, you know, he has to win every round. That, you know, what somebody asked, what are the, the, the important rounds to win? He said every round's important. Somebody asks him which of which of uh, Floyd Mayweather's opponents, like which of their fights have you seen? Uh, Canelo admits that he thought Miguel Cotto did pretty well, and yeah, this is oh, it, it feels so forced. But he says that oh, I thought Oscar De La Hoya won, and there's probably a deleted scene where Oscar, you know, slips him a few C notes, you know, for doing that. When I fought Floyd Mayweather, I laid out the blueprint. Yes, they gave him the decision, they gave him the fight. He beat me, but the blueprint is right there. Just look at it. I took it out of the vault and I handed it over to Canelo Alvarez. Oh, so you had this blueprint in a vault, and now you decided to take it out and give it to one of your fighters. I'm curious, why didn't you do that for Ricky Hatton, Juan Manuel Marquez, Sugar Shane Mosley, Victor Ortiz, Miguel Cotto, or Robert Guerrero? I'm dead serious. I really want him to tone down the rhetoric because it's it's getting absurd. It's getting ludicrous, unfortunately. I'm sorry, if Oscar keeps going like this, he, he's he's already at ludicrous speed with his with his hype for Canelo and his rhetoric. If he keeps going like this, he's going to go to plaid. And if you don't get that, just, you know, watch Spaceballs, for the love of God. Do I have to explain everything around here? But, uh, one person who doesn't need the, the explain for Oscar is, uh... Floyd Mayweather, who sums it up very nicely and probably will sum it up again in the next episode. Oscar De La Hoya, I kicked his and everybody that Oscar De La Hoya gave, gave the blueprint to, I kicked their ass too. Oscar De La Hoya, how you gonna have a blueprint on how to beat me and you didn't beat me? 
Well, I can give two flanks a bottom. And that's pretty much where the episode ends. There's the usual ending montage showing both of them training and, you know, saying stuff to the camera. Uh, I thought that this was a very good episode, better than the last one. Um, and obviously, um, the more De La Hoya goes at ludicrous speed and hypes Canelo, the more pressure that Canelo is going to feel. And I think that's just going to make Floyd even angrier. And uh, he's somebody who can probably channel his anger intelligently when he steps into the ring. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Um, there will be another podcast within the next week or so because we're going to be keeping up with this. And we may... I'm going to try to get... Um, someone kind of reclusive to appear on this show we'll, we'll see what we can pull but um i'm going to uh give my uh, final thoughts on this fight mayweather versus alvarez and i'm going to give my thoughts and prediction on danny garcia versus lucas matisse go to boxingforfree.com go to facebook.com slash boxing for free and like the page like the 200 plus that have already done so go to twitter.com slash boxing for free and follow us because trust me we're worth following i'm andrew schweitzer thank you for listening and before we go actually i would like to close out with a message from oscar de la hoya ludicrous speed go